All right. Well, uh, if you are newer to H2O and I haven't got a chance to meet you, I wanted to introduce myself. I'm Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. And, and during the, the summertime specifically, uh, we take an opportunity and something that is extremely important to us is leadership development. It's raising up men and women who have a passion for God, who want to make an impact for him, and specifically raising up pastors. And so during the summer, we take opportunities to let some of our pastors and training share with you, the church, uh, as we're going through this unfiltered series. And today we have a treat. Uh, one of my good friends, our worship leader and director, Kent Ramsey, is going to be sharing with us. Uh, so I'm really excited. And one of the things that we can we can always guarantee you here at H2O is that the people that stand up here and share from the Bible are actually living out what they're talking about. And so uh, as they're newer, as they're getting opportunities, we can say for sure that, that these things that they're sharing with you are something that they're actually practicing. And that's what's so important to us. So with that being said, I know what Kent has to share with us is, is something that, that is going to impact you because he's living out what he's going to share about. So let's give Kent a warm welcome, a round of applause as he shares with us this morning. All right. Thanks, guys. It's a real honor to to get to share. Every time I I do, I just get really excited about it. And and today we're continuing the series that we've been in that we're calling Unfiltered. And and really, I'm super excited about it. It's been really good so far. And I just want to start off just in the spirit of the series and just ask you guys a question. And I want you to answer it. Just completely unfiltered. Just be honest. Don't, don't kid around. Answer this totally seriously. Show of hands. Who in here just loves traffic jams? Nobody? Anyone? Just, you just love waiting in traffic, just sitting in, in a line, just gets you excited? No? Okay. Well, this is going to be fun then. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I, I want to be interactive with everybody this morning and just engaging. So we're going to start off, and I just want you to close your eyes right where you're at right now and just picture yourself in a traffic jam. So right now, go ahead, just close your eyes, picture that you're in a traffic jam, it's just a dead stop, and, and you're leaning over, over uh, to, to just see past the car that's ahead of you, and it's just backed up for miles. And at this point, you're, you're late to where you're going, but, but the lane to your right, it does seem to be moving just a little bit faster than the one that you're in. So you flip on your blinker, and, and you get over really quick, and then almost immediately when you get over into that lane, boom, that lane stops. And then you look over to the lane that you're in, and it starts moving again. You guys good and frustrated now? Okay, cool. You can open your eyes. Um, man, I, I didn't just want to start things off and, and just frustrate you, but I feel like I, I had to do that, and it's, it's going to make sense. Um, but real quick, just a fun fact about me. I am I'm engaged to a, to a mental health counselor. Um, so I feel like we can't just, just stop with saying that, that being in a traffic jam is frustrating. We have to also explain the emotion behind it. We have to explain, like, why is it frustrating? And here's what I came up with. Traffic jams are frustrating because we feel stuck. Isn't that true? Just free counseling for you this morning. Traffic jams are frustrating. You don't have to pay for that. It's, I figured it out for you. Traffic jams are frustrating because, because we feel stuck, and no one likes to feel stuck. And, and this morning, we're going to talk about just this idea, broadly, of, of being stuck. Um, and I don't just mean in traffic. I mean how we feel stuck in, in stuff that's happened in our past, right? Just, just like it could be an addiction. It could be guilt. It could be some cycle of sin in, in shame, in doubt. Whatever it is for you, I want to talk about just, just being stuck because it can just be, be terrible. And, and I know from experience, like, Stuff that, that we get stuck in, it can just feel like, like you're in this hole. Can it? Like, 
Like when we're stuck in, in stuff and we feel like we can't get out, it's like we're in a hole and we're trying to dig ourselves out. And the harder and harder we try, the deeper and deeper we can get into these, into these issues. And my guess is right now you can probably think of, of something like that. But, but before we dive in, just in case there's someone in here who, who can't think of anything like that, I just want to share some, some bad news with you this morning. And the bad news is this. It's, it's going to come on the screen behind me. It's that we will all be stuck in, in something at some point. It's just inevitable. If you're not feeling stuck right now in something, you're going to feel stuck in something at some point. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I, I know that that's, that's kind of intense, but it's just true. We're all going to be stuck in, in something at some point. And the worst news is this, is that we cannot get ourselves out. We'll all be stuck and, and we can't get ourselves out. Um, even just, just think about traffic, for example, right? Like the only way that you can get yourself out, or, or at least try to get yourself out of a traffic jam, is to drive in the median, right? You know how people do that? They, like, go over on the curb, and they drive in a lane that, that isn't even really a lane. And, and the thing is, if you do that, you're risking getting, getting pulled over and getting yourself stuck even further than you are already. And, and I think that's just the way that it is with all this stuff that we get stuck in. If we try to get ourselves out just on our own, we end up more stuck than we were before. It just doesn't work. We can't get ourselves out. And in the AA program, that, that thing that helps people get over alcohol addiction, and, and it's got the, the 12 steps to it, I looked this up. The first step in the AA program is, is this. It's to say this. It's to say, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. We admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. And I know that, that this morning, alcohol and addiction isn't, isn't the issue for, for everyone, but I think it's important just to start by admitting that, like that first step, that all of us are powerless to get out of our, our stuff that, that we're still in and that we're stuck in from our past. We're powerless to get out of it by ourselves. So that's the, that's the bad news today, but, but I do have some good news and, and the good news that I'm going to share is, is actually the big idea today. So if you don't hear anything else that I say this whole morning, if, if you walk away and don't hear anything else, hear this. It's the big idea. It's, it's this. No matter what situation that you're stuck in, God can get you out. No matter what it is, no matter what you're thinking about, no matter what you feel like you've been struggling and what you feel like you've been stuck in, God can get you out. And we're going to find that out today um, as we read um, and so where we're going to be camping out is, is in Psalm 40. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you can open up right now to, to Psalm 40. Um, if you don't have a Bible, the, all the verses that I'll be going through will be on the screen behind me. Um, there's also a Bible in front of you, in the pew in front of you, so you can pull that out and follow along there too if, if you want to. Um, but while you're turning there to Psalm 40, I just want to give you a little context. So, so Psalm 40, it was written by this guy named David. And, and David was actually a historical figure. Um, in fact, if you go to, to any museum, you'll probably find like a, like a statue or a painting of him somewhere. Um, so he, like, he actually existed, and he wrote most of the songs and most of the prayers that we find now in the, in the center of our, of our Bibles in this book that we're just, we happen to call the Psalms. Um, so he wrote the majority of, of these songs that we find in there. And David, if you didn't know this, he was just this guy who had a crazy up-and-down roller coaster 
of a life. Like, he did some really good things. If you've heard of David, you heard about him slaying Goliath and, and becoming king. Like, he did some really good things, but then he also did some really bad things, too, that, that aren't as popular. And because of some of these bad things that David did, he, he now finds himself just stuck in this, in this situation. Um, and that's what we're looking into. So David has done some stuff, and now he's just stuck. And we're going to jump in, and we're going to look at what's going on with David. Um, but before I do that, can I just, can I just pray one more time um, and ask God to just um, speak through me as I, as I read his word? Let's pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much for um, just this morning. Lord, thanks that we're all here. Lord, and we know that it's not by accident. Lord, we know that, that you speak through the Bible, God, that you speak through your word, and, and that's really significant because you're the creator of everything, Lord. So we just ask that we would hear what you have to say. Lord, just let your voice be louder than mine. Amen. All right. So here's the thing, Psalm 40. I'm going to read it, and you can, you can follow along. So verse 1 says this. So David's stuck in this situation, and here's what it says. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear. And this isn't like a, ah, I'm afraid kind of fear. This is like a reverence kind of fear for God. So many will see and fear and will put their trust in the Lord. Okay, so, so what's going on here? Um, so David, he's looking back to some situation that, that he had been stuck in in the past, and it isn't clear exactly what it was that he was stuck in, but he describes it poetically, right, as this like miry pit or, or as this, uh, this pit of destruction, this miry bog, and, and all this is going on. And the first thing that I want us to notice is that it says, I waited patiently. I waited patiently. And, and the Hebrew of this is literally waiting, I waited. And in other translations say, I waited and waited and waited for God. And what I want us to notice there is, is real simple. It's that when David was stuck, he waited a long time. When David was stuck, he waited a long time. Really, really simple, but, but for us in our culture, like that's just such bad news, right? Because we don't like to wait at all. Does anyone in here just cook a lot in, in the microwave? Am I the only one? Okay. I don't know if that makes me a good person or a bad person, but I cook a lot in the microwave. And, and uh, this past week, I went to Kroger and I bought these microwavable breakfast burritos. And I'm, I was just like super excited about them. They were on sale. They were on like, anyway, so I bought these breakfast burritos. Really excited about it. I wake up in the morning. I flip them over and read the directions on the back. And, and here's what it said. It said this, preheat oven to 400 and cook for 45 minutes, rotating halfway through. Or... Microwave on high for a minute and 45 seconds. Yes. So obviously a minute and 45 seconds later, I was eating my breakfast and moving on with my day, and, and everything was good. And, and I share that just, just, to, just to say, like all joking aside, we live in a culture that we can literally have whatever we want pretty much when we want it, can't we? Think about Netflix, not just, not just cooking in the microwave, but Netflix. Like we live in this culture where we can have whatever we want pretty much whenever we, we want it, but with God... We usually have to wait, don't we? Like, like God isn't a microwave. We have to oftentimes wait. We oftentimes have to put in effort. And we don't like that in our culture because it can just, it can just be so boring and it can feel pointless, 
can it? When we're just waiting, it can, it can be boring, it can, it can feel pointless. But here's some more, some more good news, is that notice what's, what's going on when David's waiting. So David, he's waiting, right? He's, he's waiting this whole time, and then it says, he inclined and heard my cry. So he's waiting, he inclined and heard my cry. And so this isn't just like boring waiting, right? right? So what I want us to notice here is that David's waiting, it wasn't passive or boring, he was crying out to God. That whole time that he's, that he's sitting there and, and he's waiting, he's probably just totally unfiltered, just begging God, nothing special. God, I feel stuck. God, help me get out, of, get out of this. And he's just crying out to God. And it wasn't boring and it wasn't pointless because during that time of waiting and him crying out to God, that God was like transforming him and doing something in him. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, before, I, before I got engaged to Lauren, I, um, I took some time off of dating, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend to everybody, um, but for me, it, it just made sense to you for, for a time. And, and so during this time, I was actually kind of, kind of just depressed and, and bummed out about the relationships that I had been in in the past that, that didn't seem to have worked out. And I was just bummed. And for whatever reason, by God's grace, during that time, I started reading the Psalms. And, and so I'm reading the Psalms, and, and I'm not making this up. I'd literally spend, like, hours sometimes just reading my Psalms and, and journaling about it, just writing thoughts. Nothing special, really. There wasn't any, like, secret formula to what I was doing, but I was just reading and openly responding my thoughts in, my, in this journaling Bible that I had to God. And over the course of some time, like, I just noticed, like, God was changing my perspective on some things. He started to, to change my perspective on how I viewed myself, started to change my perspective on, on what I was looking for in someone else. He started to kind of like take some of these feelings that I was having and just like calm me down. And God just used this time to change me. And then eventually I met Lauren and it was like, by the time I met her, it was like, oh my gosh, like what have I, what have I been doing this whole time? You know, <laughs> like she's just so much better than, than anything I could have imagined. Um, and I share that for a reason. It's, it's like now I look back and I'm like, if I had been just passive that whole time, during that whole period of waiting, if I had just been like feeling bad for myself or running after something else, I don't know that God would have brought me to the, to the place that I needed to, to be. Um, and my point more clearly is, is this, that sometimes what God does in us while we wait is as important as what we're waiting for. Sometimes what God does in us while we wait is, is as important as what we're waiting for. And I find, found that out, and, and, and David found that out as, as he was stuck in this, in this stuff, just, and, and God spoke to him and changed him. So two practical things I want to give you guys from that first section of Scripture. I'm going to give you some practical things as we, as we move along today just so we can apply this easier. But two practical things. Um, so when you're stuck, one, know that it makes, may take some time to get out. Just know that. It might take some time. God's not a microwave. And number two, cry out to God. When you're waiting, cry out to God. Don't get passive. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Cry out to him unfiltered. Just tell him exactly what you're feeling. Cry out to God. That's what David was doing in that first section. He's just crying out to God and he's waiting on him. But let's move on. Verse four. Verse four says this. says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, 
O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us, none can compare with you. I will proclaim of them, yet they are more than can be told. And, and there's, there's so much that I could share from this, this, this little uh, patch of verses here, but I don't even want us to notice necessarily what, what David is saying here. I actually want us to notice how he's saying them. Um, more specifically, what I mean, if you'll notice in verse 4 and verse 5, at the end of them, there's those little exclamation points. There's those exclamation points where it's, it, it just makes it clear that David is excited about something. You guys know what exclamation points mean. <laughs> David's excited, right? And he, he's just pumped. He says, blessed are those who follow God. None can compare with you, God. He wants to, he wants to tell people about everything that God is doing, but there's just too many things that God has done in his past for him to tell. And he just has this posture of, of excitement towards how good God is, even though he's currently stuck in this new situation. So he's stuck, and, and he's got this excitement, and it's just like crazy that, that he, would, he would be that way. And, and I think the reason is, is this, that while David was stuck, he spent time remembering and celebrating what God had already done in his life. He spent time remembering and celebrating what God had, had, had done. And we just read about it, didn't we? He, he said, well, God rescued me out of this stuff. He put my feet on a rock. David was intentionally doing that when he was, when he was feeling guilty about stuff that he'd done in the past. When he was feeling guilty, he was intentionally looking back and he was remembering, oh man, God had been faithful and he brought me out of this in the past. He's definitely going to do it again. So all right, I got another, another question. No filters here today from you guys. Another, another show of hands question. Who in here, when you're, you're sitting in traffic and, and you're, you're just in a traffic jam and, and you're just stopped, how many of you just say, God, thank you so much for the times that you have not gotten me stuck in traffic jams? Anybody? Okay, that's, that's what I figured. God, thank you. Thank you for all the times that you did. I, I legitimately, if, if David was a modern person, this is what David did. He's stuck in a traffic jam, and he sits in his car, and he stays calm, cool, and collected, and says, God, you've gotten me through this town without a hitch so many times, rather than honking his horn and, and getting upset. That's what, that's what David is doing. And, and before you just like write that off as just weird or unrealistic or, or, or anything like that, check this out. Being thankful is actually healthier than being angry. Did you know that? Being thankful is actually healthier than being angry. I'm not making this up. It's not necessarily church stuff. I read this in, in an, an article uh, in Forbes, Forbes magazine. So you know it's like semi-legit, right? Because it's in Forbes magazine. And I'm reading it. And it says this. It says, studies are showing that people who take time to remember things and be thankful are more physically healthy, more psychologically healthy. They have more empathy and are less aggressive. They sleep better. They have higher self-esteem, greater mental strength. This list just goes on and on and on. People who, who take time to be thankful are just like happier and healthier. And, and people are just finding that now. And so David, here he's cultivating this posture of thankfulness. He's, he's cultivating that, that. And it's not because David read Forbes or, or anything like that. David just literally trusted God. David just had this huge, huge trust in, in who God was. And I'll, I'll be honest this morning, because I don't want to be insensitive. I'll admit that, that that's hard to just trust God when you're in a, a hard situation, isn't it? And, and I want to be clear, too. Like, this doesn't mean, like, be thankful. This doesn't mean don't be angry. 
You know, like we're reading this psalm, like I'm not telling you don't feel angry. We just saw David cry out to God and bring all this stuff to God. Like definitely be angry. But man, let's look back and let's remember what God has done in, in thankfulness. I'm just saying that, that the Bible is pointing to thankfulness and Forbes magazine is pointing to thankfulness. And when the Bible and Forbes agree, it's just got to be true, doesn't it? So, man, allow yourself to be upset this morning, but, but man, let's cultivate a posture of thankfulness. And if you're here this morning and you, you're looking back and you literally can't find anything to be thankful for, I just want to share with you one of my, my favorite songs. It's by this group called Beautiful Eulogy. And it goes like this. It says, even the air that we breathe is a gift we receive that we think we're entitled to. It's a rap song. Even the air that we breathe is a gift we receive that we think we're entitled to. Anyway, I'm not a good rapper. It's just, I, so the point of that, if you just took a breath, you, you get it. If you just took a breath, you have something to be thankful for. Um, and that's what David is doing. He's cultivating this posture of thankfulness. So here's the third practical for you guys today. You can fill this in. When you're stuck, spend time remembering and celebrating something God has done for you. When you're stuck, when you're looking back and you're feeling guilty about the stuff that you've, you've done, or when you're stuck in a jam and you feel like, I can't get out of this mess that I'm in, look back and remember a time when, when God has actually brought you out of a mess. And if you can't think of anything to be thankful for, just think about the fact that you're alive. God has, has given you that as a gift. And that's exactly what David is doing here. Um, and so, so far we've learned uh, a couple things that, that David is doing. Um, he's, you know, he's remembering God, he's, he's crying out to God, and he's waiting and he's waiting, um, but there's more. So we'll keep on moving. Follow along with me. I'm at verse 6 now, um, if you have your Bibles. Um, so verse 6, it says this. It says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear, Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. It is in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So what I want us to notice here is something kind of surprising. Like David says that God wasn't happy. God wasn't happy with David just doing a bunch of stuff for God. Like God wasn't happy in his, his sin, happy with his sacrifice. He d- didn't delight in it. Didn't delight in his, his sin offering. But instead, God wanted to open his ears. He wanted to open his ears. And I think the reason that, that God wanted to open David's ears is real simple. God just wanted David to understand who he really was. Because if David would just understand who God was and how much God truly loved him, if David got that, then he wouldn't feel like he had to just bring a whole bunch of stuff to God. It wouldn't be like, I have to do this. He would, he would feel like, man, I get to do this. And that's exactly what happens. God, it says God opens David's ears. And then David says, I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. In other words, his relationship with God, it moves from duty to delight, right? It moves from I've got to do this for God and it moves over to, I get to do this because of God. And guys, I think that, that this, this is maybe one of the most important things we can, we can learn this morning. is because when we're stuck and we're feeling guilty and we're feeling like we just have all this stuff and we're in a pit, it's so easy to think, man, I just need more 
religion, or I just need to, to go to church more. Man, I just need to, to do more for God. Like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really guilty, so I'm going to, like, put on a, a collared shirt, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to sit in the front row of church today, and that'll, that'll be what God wants. I'll kind of make it up to God. Hear this this morning. God's not after what you can do for him. He's after your heart. God's not after what you can do for him. He's after your heart. And I, I feel like I have to do a, a quick clarifier there because if you're, if you're here and you just became a Christian and, and maybe you haven't been plugged in, man, at first, serving within the church, it can feel like a duty, right? Like it, 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 I'm not saying wait until you just feel perfect emotionally to actually dive in and get involved in a church. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, remember, like, the fact that you're involved in a church is not the reason that God loves you. God loved you way, way before you got involved in a church. Romans 5.8, right? God demonstrates, demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, when we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. God loved you way before you came here today and got dressed up and, and sat in church and listened to, to me talk. God loves you just because that's how good God is. Remember that. That'll compel you to feel like, man, I get to do things with God because he just loves me. So the next practical for you this morning is this. It's when you're stuck, listen for God by reading the Bible and understand who God really is. It's not very short, but, but that's a huge one. Listen for God by, by reading your Bible and understand who God really is. So David just, just modeled that for us, right? God just opened his ears, and he, he's modeled all this stuff for us, and he's, he's still feeling like he's in a pit. And so moving on, here's what David does. Now that he's heard from God and he's understood who God is, here's what he does. He says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. So stay with, stay with me for a second. What, what, Dave, what David's doing here is like he just learned about who God is and he's just like cultivated this posture of thankfulness and he's just done all this stuff. And now that he's been sharing it with people, He's got this newfound confidence that, that God is, is just going to be with him. And so he's gone, and he's, and he's started to share with people. And here's the part where David just pours out his heart to God, just without a filter. And he shares what he's currently going through. Verse 12. It says, For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They're more than the hairs on my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say, Aha, aha. But may those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. So there's a lot there. 
David just totally poured out his heart to God. Right up until now, he's been remembering stuff in the past. Here he's, here he's actually sharing to God, just unfiltered, what he's actually going through. And what I want us to notice is that David says, my iniquities have overtaken me. And, and I'm not that smart, so I didn't know what iniquities meant, and, and I looked it up, and, and here's what it means. Iniquity is just a fancy word for, for immoral behavior. And, and so likely what's, what's going on here is David, his behaviors and all the stuff that he's done in the past, they're finally catching up to him. And he's feeling guilty about it. And, and on top of the guilt, other people are surrounding him, and they're just pointing it out and being like, this is why you're no good. Remember that thing that you did? That's why you don't deserve to be king. That's why you don't deserve any of the stuff that you're getting. It's kind of like the news media is today. They're just constantly pointing out like the bad things about people. Well, David here, he's, he's trying to get out of this pit that he's in, but the people around him aren't making it any easier. And this is the part that I want to circle back to, and I want to just kind of land the plane in today. Because in the beginning today, I mentioned that, that we're going to talk about how we're all just stuck Right? We all have stuff that we've done in the past that we, just, we feel guilty for and, and that we feel like we're just, we're just in it and we can't get out. Addictions, trials, doubt, guilt, shame, sin, all this stuff. And if, if when, I, when I say that to you, something comes to mind or if when I said it earlier, something came to mind, I just want to invite you right now just to think about that thing. Just think about the, the thing that you, you feel guilty for, guilty about. And remember the bad news I shared, that we can't get ourselves out. And then hear this. We can get out. We can get out. No matter what situation you're stuck in, that big idea, God can get you out. And we just watch David model it for us. We just watch David in this guilt just model this for us and and show us how to do it. And he just has this huge trust in God. David's not doing anything anything special. He doesn't have like some huge degree. David literally is just crying out to God, no filter. It's just this huge trust that he has in God. And the question this morning is, is will you do the same? And whatever you're in, will you trust God? And and what that looks like is, is this. We have to trust that what Jesus did for us on the cross we have to trust that in that, that so much that we choose to disbelieve all of these feelings that we have of, of hopelessness, of, of, oh my gosh, I'm in this and there's no way that I can get out. We have to trust in Jesus more than that to the point where that's not even real anymore. It, we have to trust in Jesus so much that our feelings of, of I'm not worth anything go away. The things that lead us into guilt and sin, we have to trust that in the cross because those things, they don't reflect reality. And here's the reality this morning that I wanted to share with all you guys. This is the reality. Isaiah 44, verse 22, it says this. This is God speaking. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. I'm going to read that again. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Will you trust that that's true this morning? Will you trust it? We all walked in with, with stuff. Like this could be true 
for you this morning, Christian or not. Maybe you're a Christian and you trust in that, and you're feeling like you're in a situation where, well, this time, like I did that, this thing again, like that's too much, you know? God's not going to forgive me for this, this one. You know, or maybe it's like this thing, like I've never done this thing, like this is, I, I went too far this time. Like I'm beyond being forgiven. Or maybe you're in here and you wouldn't even consider yourself a, a Christian this morning. And man, if that's you, like welcome. We're glad you're here. I'm excited that I get to share this, this news with you. This could be true for you this morning. Regardless of your situation, whatever pit that you feel like you're stuck in today, I want that to be, to be true for you. And I'm going to close just by reading this, this, this passage from a book that I read. And I think it just clarifies where we're at and what God says of us so clearly. It's by this guy named Erwin Lutzer. And he says it so clearly. Here's what it says. It says, Satan is involved when you think that you must suffer for your sin. You may think that if you berate yourselves enough times, if you live under a cloud of constant condemnation, which all of us deserve, then you are thereby making yourself, making true forgiveness more likely for you. But no. You do not have to berate yourself or inflict pain on on yourself. Forgiveness is it's just a free gift to those who receive it. Once again, you're faced with either believing God or believing your emotions, which frequently deceive you. Guys, this morning we can, right here, we can believe what God says is true about us this morning, or we can believe our emotions. It's up to you. That's what David did when he was, when he was stuck. He just, he trusted in God. Will you trust him? I have swept away your sins, God says, like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. And so I don't know where that, that lands with everybody in a room this size. I know that we're all having uh, different stuff that, that we're going through. But man, I just want to close and, and I just want to pray. And, and if when I'm praying, um, you're just feeling like, uh, man, I just need to, to cry out, out to God. I just want to invite you, just pray along with me. Because God wants this, this to be true of you. He wants you to believe this and trust in him this morning. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and, and we're going to close in worship. So will you pray with me, guys?